Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That Brooklyn Film Show. In this week's episode, we will be discussing all things multiversal. So there's been a recent influx in movies about the multiverse and kind of just that concept or idea. So Jabari, besides the three movies that we watch, when you think of like a multiversal movie or TV show, what comes to mind for you? When I think multiversal, I think of films that utilize a concept that is kind of based in scientific fantasy as opposed to a hard science movie. So you have like the hard science films where it's like, I don't know, I, I guess a lot of science films are kind of science fantasy, right? Like I was going to point to a movie like, um, what's that, The End of Tomorrow, what is it, Ken? The, the climate change movie? Oh, um, Day After Tomorrow. Yeah, Day After Tomorrow and stuff like that. I was going to point to those, you know, where you got the the scientists who no one believes, but then he ends up being right. So mm-hmm. I think about a lot of movies like that when I think of sci- sci-fi films. And then you have like the super high fantasy sci-fi films like Star Wars and stuff like that. Um, multiversal films somewhat kind of fall in the middle to me where it's like not in a galaxy far, far away. And a lot of the times it takes place in the earthly realm and stuff like that. But when you start in- introducing interdimensional hopping and stuff like that, it then becomes high sci-fi, so... I guess it's kind of its own unique thing that we're starting to see more now in sci-fi films than we used to see in the past. Yeah, I agree. I also feel like we're seeing it more now in kind of everyday storytelling. Um, For me, what comes to mind is this book I recently read called Midnight Library, where a woman, a little trigger warning here, but she attempts suicide and she ends up going into this midnight library, which is kind of like the plane between life and death and it can appear however to whoever um so for like you it could be i don't know like a GameStop or something um but essentially in like each game could be a catalog of another life you could have led so for her each book is like a catalog for another life she could have led which is kind of like a multiverse kind of like another decision you made would have been another life you were living um so that's kind of what i think of when i think of multiversal stuff i feel like it's kind of becoming again more common ground as opposed to like you mentioned in the past, it might have been like a very scientific, very much like let's explain how the multiverse works and this, that, and the third, you know, versus kind of like more or still sci-fi, but less so about the big scientific concept of it all and more about exploring what that can mean or what that can bring. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's a lot more, um, I guess, personal story in that sense. A lot of times on multiversal films, it tends to be, I think, personal, like how this particular story impacts this particular person's life, as opposed to like these grand scale narratives where it's like millions and billions of people involved in space operas and stuff like that. I think multiversal films, despite being a very big concept, they tend to be very personal in story. Like I'm thinking about, um, what was the book called again? Midnight Library? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the show Infinity Train, which is kind of like a multiversal kind of thing, where it's like this person goes on this train that goes to infinity, an infinite different amount of places to kind of teach them a lesson about life. And that's kind of what, you know, comes to mind when I think of um, multiverse films, which is kind of funny considering it's like literally the infinite verse, yet these very personal stories. Yeah, and I think, honestly, as we get into like the three movies we watch, which they're all three... I guess similar and different in their own ways. Um, But I feel like the ones that work better than the other kind of does kind of hinge on more of like, who are these characters in particular? You know, it's not kind of like, I mean, 
a couple of them or all of them do kind of have like a big overarching story because you had to have to have that to get the multiverse to even really be in effect like you're not just going to explore the multiverse for usually for the sake of it it's usually like okay there's something earth threatening or multiverse threatening or universe threatening that's happening to get you know multiverses to collide or however um but when it's kind of grounded in the narrative of one person or a family it works better than when it's kind of like a bigger you know story if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, then it becomes complicated. It's a complicated topic already, so it's like, why don't you do a complicated story to this complicated topic? Then you just get a bunch of nonsense, like I think of some video games that utilize the multiverse to try to tell their story. Like, um, I don't know, you know Kingdom Hearts. It's just like a super complex narrative because they're trying to introduce all these elements into a complex topic. So I think when it comes to complex, you know, plot devices like the multiverse, it's best to keep it simple so you don't overwhelm the the um the viewer yeah i agree um so before we get into the movies i can give a quick definition of the multiverse i feel like you know just from hearing multiverse it's a little bit obvious what it is but just in case it isn't um it's like the multiverse is like a hypothetical group of multiple universes so together these universes compromise of everything that exists the entirety of space time matter energy information the physical laws and the constants that describe them Usually in films, when you get multiverses, it's kind of like there's tends to be multiple versions of you living parallel lives, um, or maybe not necessarily parallel, like their lives can be very different than yours, but there's multiple versions of you in each universe, um, or a singular version of you in each universe. Um, and it can vary, you know, how you live again in each universe. Um, but that's usually where the multiverse comes in to focus on a specific person um so with that do you have anything before we get into our first movie um no i think we should get to the movies now let's see let's see what's up all right cool okay so the first movie we're going to talk about is the oldest movie on this list um i feel like this is kind of where i really think about like the multiverse stuff starting um which is spider-man into the spider-verse which came out in 2018 it doesn't feel like it came out that long ago um but yeah, it's been like four years. And the synopsis is bitten by a radioactive spider in the subway. Brooklyn teenager Miles Morales suddenly develops mysterious powers that transform him into the one and only Spider-Man. When he meets Peter Parker, he soon realizes that there are many others who share his special high-flying talents. Miles must now use his newfound skills to battle the evil Kingpin, a hulking madman who can open portals to other universes and pull different versions of Spider-Man into our world. So this movie won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars in 2019. It was directed by Peter Ramsey, Rodney Rothman, and Bob Pesherty. Um, in terms of the scores, it was uh, 97% critically approved on Rotten Tomatoes, and it got a 93% audience score. And on Metacritic, it got an 87% critical score and an 8.2 user score. Um, so Jabari, what were your thoughts on... Not only Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, but how it also dealt with all of those multiversal elements. Yeah, I mean, Into the Spider-Verse is easily, in my opinion, one of the best films ever made. It utilizes its um, its genre as far as animation and then the multiversal concept in order to produce a film that I think only exists in animation. So... What I think what makes it so effective, I think, is the fact that it's a small story 
It's about Miles Morales becoming the next heir to Spider-Man. Um, it's a world that's already established, so they didn't need to set up who is Spider-Man, why is Spider-Man important, and all this other stuff. We kind of know why he's important, and we have all these years of Spider-Man to fall back on. But by then introducing the multiverse, it's almost like a coming-of-age story with a mentor from a different place. And it's like, we know what a coming-of-age story is. We know what a, a a mentor story is, but then utilizing the multiverse to be like, hey, your mentor is going to be from a different part of the universe where you have to learn how to protect yours, I thought was very effective and made it one of the best films, in my opinion, ever made, especially at the pace that it moves because of, you know, just how good it is. Like, I think the movie doesn't falter in a lot of places and it utilizes its elements to tell a really good story. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I feel like one... One factor of like a really well-made film, and not the only factor, because I don't feel like not every well-made film has to have this factor, but a big factor is rewatchability. And this movie is so rewatchable, I feel like you get something from it every time. Yeah, I, um, I saw it like five times in theaters when it came out. Yeah, I definitely saw it. I, I think I saw it at least twice in theaters, but I've seen it three, four times since then. I watched it again for this episode. But I, again, I think you're right. It utilizes the multiversal factor well in that it kind of pulls in all these different characters and obviously spend more time with certain Spider-Men than others in this story just because that's like how it works um but pulling in like a Peter Parker from another universe who's more jaded and you know kind of more down on his luck than a Peter Parker from uh this universe because a tragedy has happened works because it kind of builds his confidence back up while he also gets to teach Miles to kind of start to learn to believe in himself. Um, I think following a character who isn't Peter Parker also makes it more interesting because, again, we have, like, live-action Peter Parker in three iterations at this point. Um, So we already knew that character. So you're bringing in a new character who is interesting, who has a different story, who represents a different group as well. So, like, having an Afro-Latino... Sorry, Latino um, Spider-Man makes it... A different angle as well and having him be you know i think peter parker's from queens right but this uh miles miles is from brooklyn you know he has a different yeah. backstory all of those things it's um, kind of like a different just because you're from like he's from a different borough but it changes the whole culture of the character plus it's kind of like a new era spider-man where you know peter parker kind of had this you know very 1960s vibes in a lot of the films where miles feels a lot more 2000s and a lot more modern mm-hmm. I, yeah the i agree so concept alone makes it feel more modern as well like it seems like a concept that would exist in 2018 when it came out yeah like you weren't i mean i guess they probably it would have been built very differently than it was built in uh the movie in 2018 like there it would have probably might have existed in some iteration in uh, 1960s but it would have looked very different um new york looked very different you know yeah so i think that was a cool yeah oh go ahead yeah, when I was saying that um, it plays with it could only exist in animation is because of like the way it plays with different animation styles for the different Peters. So you have like Peter Porker, you have like Spider-Man Noir, who's like exists in a way that's very you know old school, black and white, blah blah blah. They change the frame rate for how Peter swings versus how um, I mean they change the frame rate for how Miles swings versus how Peter swings, so it looks more choppy and less refined. And mm-hmm. when Peter swings, it's a lot more it's. It's, it's framed properly as far as frames per seconds go. So you subconsciously be like, oh, he's a lot smoother because he's more experienced. While 
Miles is choppier and a lot more rigid because he's not a, a, a professional Spider-Man. So they just utilize almost every element of the medium in order to make the film what it is. And yeah. instead of just being like, oh, these people are from different universes, they're like, all right, let's show that they're from different universes by showing that in each universe they have their own animation style that makes sense to them. But to others outside of their universe, it might just seem odd or jarring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with everything, especially the animation part. Um, every other movie we're going to talk about is, or the other two movies we're going to talk about is live action. And the one other movie I'm going to bring up now, which is the Spider-Man that just came out, Spider-Man No Way Home. I feel like you didn't get that same feeling. Like, it was really cool. You know, you see all, all three actors who played Spider-Man in the same place. But I feel like with this one, they were able to use the anim- utilize the animation style in such a cool way where it's kind of like these people or these Spider-Men are clearly from different places. The way it looked like a comic book, like literally when you're watching, it looks like a comic book on screen is so cool. The way to utilize like, okay, we're going to use a new issue of a comic for every kind of chapter of this story. I like that a lot because I feel like a lot of stories do like chapter one, you know, this and chapter two. And it was like, okay, instead of doing that, how can we creatively show that we're going into kind of like a new beat of this movie now? And I think that's not possible without, I guess you could do it in live action, but it wouldn't work the same way. It's kind of like when we had the episode about um, Satoshi Kon and how like what he did with Paprika um, or even Perfect Blue. It's kind of like you're building out these dreams and it's a little bit difficult to build out a dream as fantastical as it can be in live action versus real world. And I feel like the same thing with this, like obviously you have all of these Marvel movies that are like very successful or MCU movies that are very successful at telling comic book stories, but to see a comic book movie animated in like a comic book style, I feel like was very effective in the way that they did it. Even like the way you can show a person glitching in one reality versus another or the way that, you were able, they were able to make because you have again you have Kingpin like in live action, but the way how menacing Kingpin was in yeah into the Spider Verse, it's not humanly possible. Like this man was like full body with like his head in the middle of his being like eight you know tall, shoulders up the yeah. whole screen his face mm-hmm. only taking up a portion of the of his body. He was it was just like what's that word I'm looking for? It was like uncanny and how he looked, but it worked well for what the character was. Yeah, it it gave you what it it was like supposed to, where you're kind of like, yeah, this this is a threat, you know. I mean, you don't have to be obviously people are threats in real life, and they're not like that huge, but yeah, it <laughs> it really works to kind of convey like, oh no, this person is scary. Like when he walks in, was like clicking his pencil and everything, or Porky Porky Spider Pork or Spider Pig, can't remember his name, Peter Porker. Yeah, it's like yeah, you can't do that in live action like you can't have that you know added humor or the fact that um spider noir's cape blows and the fact that the other spider woman girl she was literally like an anime style so it's like you're able to completely change the animation style and kind of blend it into one universe and yeah, i think and different that animation styles says a lot about the character's personality as well what were you gonna say yeah that? oh no yeah a hundred percent like you could you would get the vibe of I was like if I watched a movie that was based off of the girl in her like um t- uh was it the one where you have the mind link can't think of the word um telepathic spider I don't know psych like psycholink spider um but if I was to think of 
that what that movie would be, I could picture that clearly because of her animation style. If I was to think of Spider Noir's movie, I could picture it clearly because of his animation style. And I feel like you kind of lose that a little bit with live action. But also I feel like, and this was another one, this was on our um, the coming of age movie list. This is the one that we ended up moving to this episode for the multiversal one. But I feel like it was also a great coming of age story for Miles to see him go from like, you know, being bit by the spider, finding out all these like secrets about his family to eventually becoming his own Spider-Man that wasn't like wearing Peter's costume. That wasn't exactly Peter. He was his own person. Like that scene where he jumps off of the building and kind of like does a upside down flip. Upside down thing. Yeah, yeah. It's such a good scene. Like every time you watch it, it's like, this is so good. And the fact, the way they were able to do that, um, like just shows how much thought they put into it. But again, I think the multiversal factor added to that because they were able to pull in all of these different elements from different universes and then were able to tell this cohesive story where you kind of got growth for all of the characters. So you got growth for the um, Peter Parker from the other universe where he kind of saw like, okay, I have been messing up a little bit. Let me go back to my universe and try and fix things. Yeah, exactly. You had growth for Gwen Stacy where she was like, I can let people in. It's not... Like, it's not a bad thing to have friends because she lost her Peter. So she was like, I'm done with people. But now she's like, you know, I can be open to that. She lost her Peter Parker. So she was a bit scarred by it. But everyone had their own. Well, most people had their own kind of character arc. Like, I mean, Peter Parker and Spider-Man Noir, not so much. I mean, he got his his Rubik's Cube (laughs) that he was going to figure out somehow in his universe. But yeah, not like big story development, character development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a whole character arc, but... I think the primary characters who was Gwen, Peter, and um, Miles. Miles, they definitely got a character arc in the film. And that utilized a lot of side characters as well. And the music that they had for the um, the Prowler, I always loved the... Mm-hmm. Whatever that was, was always fire. So I just think, the movie, like I said, it's one of the best films ever made, in my opinion. Not just animation, but films in general. And you literally can't go wrong with it. Um if it was like, oh, show me one film that you, shows you how to make a, a multiversal film, that's probably the one I would point to. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not. Let's talk about that again later on. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I would point to that one, but if someone said, like, show me, you know, like an animation film that, you know, utilizes the multiverse well, show me, like, the best, this might be controversial, show me the best comic book movie, I might point to this one. No, I think it is kind the best of thing. comic book movie, hands down. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's controversial. I think that's, um... I think that'll be pretty Popular accepted. Opinion. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty... I don't think that's a hot take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, alright, any final thoughts before we go into the next movie? Um, if you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse, watch it. It's on Netflix still? It's on Netflix still, right? It's not on Netflix, but it's available to rent on Amazon Prime. And I think if okay. you have, like, FX or something, you can watch it there. Yeah, definitely watch it, though. It's one of the best films ever made, and if you're missing out, you need to catch up yeah i agree um my final thought would be i'm a little bit nervous for the uh sequel I and mean, i feel like that's just kind of the thing where if you make such a good first of something it's hard to follow up yeah because i also feel like a big part of it was that it was so unexpected um like i kind of went to see it and i was like okay cool it looks interesting sure i wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was but now that you know it's that was as good as it was. You're going into the second one like, hmm, 
I'm really hoping that this will kind of live up to those expectations. I agree with that. But let's talk about a sequel for another film in our second film, which is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, um, which came out this weekend, last weekend. Um, Last Friday. Last Friday night, Friday morning. Uh, And the synopsis is Doctor Stephen Strange cast a forbidden spell that opens a portal to the multiverse. However, a threat that emerges may be too big for his team to handle. This movie was directed by Sam Raimi um, on based off the film scores. It has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes critical score and an 87% audience score. It, on Metacritic, it has 61% for a critical score and a 6.3 for a user score. Um, do you want to talk about this like in two segments like not spoiler and spoiler do you just want to jump into spoilers and kind of give that general warning um let's just talk about it as a film then jump into the spoilers after that okay i don't even know if we really do we need to spoil it to really discuss this film i think we could discuss it without spoilers. i feel i kind of want to talk about spoilers to discuss okay. it a little bit yeah okay so let's jump into the our overall thoughts then we can jump into spoilers after okay um overall thoughts i thought this film was very okay um i enjoyed it when i was watching it that it was fine um i think that one that synopsis doesn't really hold true for what the movie actually was um second thing i think i did like the fact that like it did lean a little bit into like the horror elements um so i enjoyed that aspect of it like i felt like it did have a little bit more of that than like the normal marvel movie was a little less quippy or maybe the quips fell flat. I don't know. Um, but I also feel like, and this is what someone pointed out to me, maybe the title uh, in the Multiverse of Madness set my expectations too high of what I was expecting in terms of the multiversalness of it. But it felt like it wasn't big enough in the multiverse aspect, but it wasn't small enough in the storytelling aspect for me to feel like I was satisfied in either end. And then I also don't love what they did with the villain, but we can get into that when we get into spoilers. Um, yeah, it's it's a Marvel film. Like you know how I feel about Marvel films. I feel like they're all kind of mid at this point. And if I ran into the nice mid Marvel film area, like the seventy, uh, a solid six in storytelling, uh, eight in spectacle, so right around a seven in total film. Um, the movie wasn't bad by any means, but I do agree with you that the multiverse of madness kind of overset the expectations. It should have been called, like, the parallel universe of Madness, I guess, because they kind of were in one spot for a long time. Yeah. As opposed to bouncing around from place to place to place. And mm-hmm. I get it. Like, making a multiverse in live action can be very expensive. But there are artistic decisions you can make to make the multiverse aspect not have to be all about, oh, every single multiverse we go to needs to be a huge change so we know people are there but we gotta like set these high cgi budgets and all this other stuff so i do agree that um i don't think it just utilized the multiverse in as artistically compelling ways as some of the other films on as i'm not gonna say some as any of the other films that we're discussing today i think of all the films it was kind of the most formulaic um there was one part where it's not really a spoiler because you know that they're jumping through the multiverse the movie is called multiverse of madness where they kind of show them transporting through the multiverse. And I'm like, there's so many more interesting multiverses they could have went to than the one that they spent the most of the time in. And I yeah. think that was a large issue that I had with it, is that it wasn't as fun as it could have been with the concept laid at hand. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's kind of like, okay, and this is a little bit of a spoiler. This is not really a huge spoiler, um, but it's like the universe you go to is a universe where they're wearing like funny outfits and that's in pizza's like shaped as a ball. It's not like a very stark difference from the universe that they're currently in. I mean, there are obviously like some character differences, which we can get into in a minute that are there, but it's not like huge visual differences. And I feel like when you're, if you're only going to explore two universes, it would be more fun if you explored one that was like a little bit more visually different. Widely different, right? Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Another issue was um, the CGI was a little cheap looking. I've been noticing this oh, recently. Yeah. I was like, the CGI is low. Not spoilers, but yeah, there was some real bad CGI in that film. Yeah, I was like, um, they be spending a pretty penny on their movies, and that CGI didn't look like it. It was giving um, Spy Kids, and you know, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, yeah, was spy Kids is a good <laughs> example. It really has some real Spy Kids CGI, some real Photoshop. First year in college, this is a project mm-hmm. CGI. I was like, "Geez, some of this is really bad." Yeah, yeah, it wasn't wasn't like on par with what they normally do. So that was another thing, especially if you're going to rely heavily on CGI in some aspects. Then I feel like the CGI needs to be well done. One hundred percent agree. Especially I do for the think special the films like Marvel movies is like if there's one thing Marvel movies need to get right, it's a CGI. Like, yeah, because no they use so much of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did think the scene where they were like falling through the multiverses was pretty cool though. Um, I do wish we got uh, to explore they were, like, falling through screaming and we got to see different kind of universes. They had like uh-huh. an animation one, they had like a paint one, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm saying they're every those the teases of the universes was more compelling than the actual universes they went to, and that's where I was a little bit disappointed in the film. But I went in with low expectations. Like I'm happy I actually you what did you think of the movie before i went to see it because it set my expectations a little bit lower yeah and i think you know what i'm gonna admit to my nerdiness here but i listen to like podcasts about marvel stuff sometimes um so i in uh i heard like oh you know this might be a game changer for marvel blah 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 so i think maybe my expectations were a little bit too high but i also feel like so i don't know if you saw the trailer where they were like oh the illuminati will see you now I saw like a YouTube video, a couple YouTube videos on that where they're like, oh, this is like such a big thing. And once we get into spoilers, we can talk about it a little bit more, but it's kind of like, if they held that back from the trailer, mm-hmm. I feel like then maybe that would have helped. We're hearing Patrick um, Stewart's voice in the trailer. It's like, you're spoiling a what's supposed to be a big surprise. That, and that was I think, upsetting for me because I actually didn't know he was in the film. Mm-hmm. But then after I like literally the the day before I saw it, I saw a trailer where they showed his his um what do you call it? wheelchair, and I was like, come on, why are they showing this in the thing? Like it would have been so much better if they revealed that in the movie. Exactly. So it's kind of like whole. I feel like it's what movies or I, I get like a trailer has to sell the movie, but I feel like you should also hold back what's going to be a big surprise. Like I shouldn't know ninety percent of your plot. I mean, you kind of don't know that the movie. plot, but you shouldn't know like the big things, the big surprises before you even see the movie. Like I've been to like a lot, you know, I haven't seen all the Marvel movies, but I've seen like a good majority of them and a lot of them in theaters. And I feel like normally you get a lot of cheers and stuff at certain scenes. And I feel like in this movie, we got maybe like one or two applause. And mind you, this is like opening day. So that kind of tells me like, okay, I feel like people aren't feeling this as much because they're not even cheering at the big scenes. And these are like 
the crowd that this is for because these are people that are going to see it like day that it opens kind of crowd, you know? It's like the hardcore fans who see these movies the moment they come out, not just, um, you know, the sort of kind of fans who like, oh, I'll wait to see it after a week or two after it comes out. Yeah, yeah. What is the rule for Marvel films? How long do you think you you have to see it before you say, oh, you can't talk about spoilers? I think you give it like I give it a, a month. A month? A month kind of long. Maybe two weeks. I feel like two weeks. You give it like two, two weekends. Because, you know, one, no, cause like one weekend, maybe you couldn't make it and you couldn't make it during the week. So the next weekend, you can go see it. I, I feel like after that. It comes and, out Friday, then you got till next Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. But not too long. You don't, you don't get a. You don't get too long to, to wait to see it. Like, Three years later, it's, yo, don't spoil Endgame for me. It's like, come on, man. That's like when people say, like, don't spoil a 90s movie. It's kind of like, it came out in the 90s. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you had time to see it. It did not come yeah. out recently. Um, You can't be mad it's at like, spoilers. If you could avoid spoilers, shout out to you, but you can't expect people to go out their way to not spoil yeah. it. Yeah. Like, it's like, you were talking about Psycho in front of yeah. me. How did you spoil it? Exactly. Like, bro, that movie came out in the 1960s. Exactly. But yeah, so do you want to get into spoiler territory now? Uh yeah, what did you want to spoil? Like I said, I don't think this movie like I wasn't compelled enough to really be like shocked or anything to really like have a huge spoiler discussion. Mm-hmm. But if you have anything in particular you wanted to touch on, I definitely don't mind. Oh, um, before you start, if the CGI with the eye was one of the worst CGIs I've ever seen, and I was so like, yes, okay, eye, there, that's one spoiler. That yes, that that um that eye, trash, garbage. Like I was like. Wait, this can't be real. That one, and then the one with um, I don't know if you say for the after credit scene where Charlize Theron popped up. That wasn't great either. Um, oh yeah, and neither yeah. was kind of like that realm they were in. That was where I was like the Spy Kids, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to spoil is, did you watch Wandavision? Uh, yeah. I feel like Wanda's characterization in this. Was very bad. Mm-hmm. I personally just don't love the she's crazy because she wants her kids kind of. The angle they had. Angle they had. Um, I feel like in WandaVision they kind of t- touched upon her like encapsulated grief. You know like the grief of her entire life in a way. And I feel like that would have worked a bit better than just being like, I'm a mom. I need my kids, so I'm just going to start killing people. And I'm like, you know what? Girl, do you. You are super powerful. Whatever. But I just didn't like the reasoning behind it. Behind like, I just all super villain. Yeah, just for her kids. That yeah. she's like, well, they exist in another universe, so I can take them. And I'm like, mm, yeah. but they have a mom there. It's well, not really valid. Like a lot of villains tend to have really bad motivations. I just I, didn't like her. <laughs> I like, simply, I feel like using a whole show to kind of redeem her character than just unwriting it in a movie like that just felt kind of pointless. It's like, why have the show if she's going to go and do the same thing again, basically, if not worse? Like, the whole I, show was basically being like, oh, you have to learn to let go. You have to learn to move on. Wanda's like, oh, I learned how to let go. I learned how to move on. And then all of a sudden, this movie, she's like, I learned how to let go. But now I'm back to doing exactly what I did before. But for the kids... Instead of my husband. It's like, it's the same exact thing, except a different angle. Yeah, and that's like, how you, you could have replaced. You could have replaced the kids with Vision. It would have been the same movie. 
And that's how you can tell. So apparently like the order of everything changed because of COVID. So apparently this was supposed to come out first and then WandaVision, which... How would that work? I guess the story changed. Maybe she would have been searching for Vision or something. I don't know. But I feel like that would have worked so much better because at least you have her villain turn in this one where she hasn't dealt with any of the grief or anything. And then she goes into Westview and does everything she does there, right? And this one is just kind of like... She regresses from the very beginning and she's just crazy, you know? And I kind of don't like, I feel like, I feel like they tend to make male villains kind of more motivated by other things. Whereas with like women villains, it's kind of like, she's crazy. Like it was giving me very much like what they did to Daenerys in season eight of Game of Thrones, where it was kind of like a quick heel turn from semi-rational to like completely yeah, I crazy. I got Daenerys advice from that. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't love it because it just feels untrue to the character presented, especially in Wandavision. I feel like maybe again, if you had her from the end of like Endgame, where she literally had just lost everything, and then go into yeah. this character, it would have made a lot more sense. But to have her go from where she was at the end of Wandavision into who she was in this movie, it doesn't make sense. You can, I guess, explain a way that she had the dark hold. So maybe that was like affecting her mentally or whatever. But it just kind of felt, I don't know, like I didn't love it. I didn't love her characterization. It kind of felt, I like sexist is a strong word, but like they didn't understand her character almost. Like I think the director even said like he only watched a couple episodes of WandaVision that kind of pertained to the story. Uh, a director who they're going to give you a pass for not knowing the source material because his style is really unique. And you definitely saw his unique style. Like, you know, Sam Raimi has a horror background and this movie had yeah. a ton of horror elements in it, which I liked. Like, I loved a lot of, like, the zombie strange and all that other stuff. I love that. Like, that was some of the best parts of the film. But, that being said, there were aspects where you, yeah, like I said, I could you could chalk it up to him not really knowing the source material and stuff like that. But I think a good film is going to be good regardless of the source material. Like a good villain is going to be a good villain regardless of... Regardless of. Yeah, mm. it's like it can have literally nothing to do with the source material. It can have all the plot holes from the previous things. But like you said, this was supposed to be done before WandaVision. That's my problem with some of the Marvel films is that at the end of the day, because they're such heavy products, it's like you got to get them out regardless of the situation. So mm-hmm. even though it may not make sense in the grand total, the grand scale of the story, it's like because Disney needs to meet their financial deadlines you're gonna get dr strange out at this date no matter what you're gonna get wandavision at this date out no matter what mm-hmm. even if there's a freaking um pandemic. global pandemic going on that changes everything when you literally have like four phases planned out for the next five years it's like it's gonna you pl- it's like you literally can't make any mistakes and you're selling to investors like oh we're gonna have this out regardless of what's happening so be prepared and just like well that there's not much artistic integrity behind that mm-hmm. and it's like i did it like i thought some of the artistry in this was good but you could always tell when a marvel film is a marvel film because you can't veer too far from the path of the formula established yeah like yeah, it has to look I... like it exists in the same universe which is another problem with it is that we've seen dozens and dozens of marvel films the one movie where it's like oh you're going to a different universe is it still looked like the other dozens of film that we saw already so it's like you couldn't veer too much. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of that. I also think um, 
Like they gave Sam Raimi again. I've only well, I've seen a couple of things. So I've seen like obviously like the old Spider-Man movie. I've also seen old Evil Dead, and I saw Dragon Hill once. Don't plan on watching it again. It definitely scared me. Um, but he does have like a unique style, and I feel like he was able to get some of those hard elements in, um, especially once Wanda got to the second Earth. So that part I actually enjoyed. Like, although I didn't enjoy how she was characterized, I did enjoy when she was like fully in her villainy in like the um, second Earth, and then showing off like just how powerful she was. Red eyes and stuff like that. Uh huh. And when she was like, one, the Illuminati were dumb. I'm like, if this man is telling you, I guess you don't. I guess they don't trust him. Whatever. But like, you see this woman just killed like all of these Ultrons that you have, and you're just kind of like, we can take her. And once, like, she disappeared someone's mouth, I think I would have kind of been like, okay, maybe we should talk to this other strange and figure out, you know, what's happening or whatever. But it was kind of cool to see just how powerful she is um, and the fact that, like, at the end, the only thing that could defeat her was herself. I feel like another issue with this movie is I don't really care about... Maybe it's because I didn't see the first Doctor Strange, um, but I don't really care about him and Christine and because I don't care about complete move yeah yeah so like because I don't care about you and your relationship is kind of supposed to be like the driving force Force of this movie like your love um like the whole I love you in every universe like when we get to the next movie which is much smaller but like the main kind of like romance in that movie I wouldn't this is a romance yeah in that movie is so much more believable than like the whole I would love you in every universe like they just feel like a little corny I'm like eh whatever um I feel like I didn't get to know America Chavez enough like it kind of felt like she just had like a awakening yeah. at the end she felt like which I a teenage girl it didn't really feel like they expanded on her character more than it, the tropes of what it, the brash teenage yeah. girl is yeah, it's like, okay, she's there to punch holes into other universes, but what else is she there for? Like, to be a punching bag for Wanda and to punch holes into other places. But it yeah. wasn't really much else. Like, she had her she's a plot big device. moment. Yeah, she was a plot, plot device, essentially. Um, apparently, she was also, so this is, like, another thing. It made me, I thought about it when you were talking about, like, the fact that um, Marvel did the uh, order, out of order, and, like, how their business. You remember, did you see Spider-Man No Way Home? Uh yeah, you remember how Ned, uh, Peter's friend, like put the circles in the universe to get the other Spider Man. Yep. Apparently, it was supposed to be her character because this movie was supposed to come out before Spider Man too. Oh. Um, which would have made so more she was sense to because be Ned's role. Yeah, or not his role, but just the person that punched the holes into universes because she could mm-hmm. literally guess her power. But they had to find a way to get. Yeah, that the... makes sense because. Doctor Strange is the one that brought them into different universes in that movie, but in this movie, it was like only she could do it, so it was a little bit confusing in that sense. I guess in this movie, it was kind of supposed to be intentional, not intentional, but like I guess she can travel to other universes. Maybe he can do a spell to bring other universes here, which I guess is different. Yeah, I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, but they got them back all in the end somehow. Oh, yeah. I guess more magic. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. So, that's another thing where it's kind of like they were shifting things around to fit the release schedule that they had to meet or whatever. Yeah, the um, Even though it would have made more sense if they actually, like, stuck to the plan 
that yeah, they had. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts on the multiverse of madness or just Marvel in its um, current state? Uh, movie wasn't bad. Like, I don't think Marvel really makes bad films. It just was, you know, I guess it took a unique standpoint with the trying to be a more horror aspect. But I'd rather them just commit to these things. Like, if it was full horror and, like, we're going to make a full horror Marvel film, I would have been like, yo, that's dope. You're trying something new. Mm-hmm. It just felt kind of formulaic, in my opinion. And, you know, it's a Marvel film. That's kind of what they got to stick to. Like, I don't expect the next one to come out to be much more different than this. Um, The next one is Black Panther, right? Supposedly. No. Um, Thor. Thor will be more of a comedy because oh, yeah, Taika Waititi. Well, Taika has a unique style. But even his, even the Thor movie still fit. To the, the, Marvel. the Marvel, but I feel like his style fits in because you know Marvel's all about witty humor and being fast quips. He does that really well in general, so it kind of yeah. like the perfect version of the Marvel formula, as mm-hmm. opposed to being very different from the Marvel formula. Exactly. It's like um, we want to do what you do well, so it's like f, f it, we're gonna just I'm just gonna do what I do naturally, and it's gonna come out as the best version of what y'all try to do. Yeah. I I agree. I think this movie was fine. I do like... I appreciate the fact that they had some horror elements. I do wish that they committed fully to it. And I think it's kind of like my wish for Marvel right now in general. Because it kind of does feel all disconnected in like this current phase. So because it does feel also like... I mean, you know, they still have like some connective tissue or whatever. But I feel like because they're so established and they know that their movies will sell like literally the two high, highest grossing movies since the beginning of the pandemic are no way home and like dr strange right so you know your movies are going to make money so why not try maybe not every movie maybe have like your flagship movies kind of stick to your formula so have again like your thors be kind of more of that marvel formula but why not give like a director a chance to like kind of truly try out their vision mm-hmm. with the film like let the director fully commit to making it horror. But the, and you can make a PG-13 horror movie that's scary. Like, it doesn't have to be rated R. You can still, like, make it where, you know, people can go see it or whatever if that's, like, a, a worry. Because. But commit to something that's a little bit different because you have 10 years, uh, more years of movies planned after the 10 years of movies that we just had. So why not allow something new to, like, break in? Because I feel like at some point people are going to be like, this is getting stale, this is getting old, so you have to allow something new you know well you have movies like the joker and the batman that was it the joker is joker i think it's just joker this is jo- you have just joker, joker and the batman those are movies that kind of come about from the fact that dc has no other choice but to try something new because mm-hmm. what they've been doing hasn't working they tried the marvel formula with the fast quips and the you know the stars that everyone loves it just doesn't work as well so they're like you know what let's just make our one-off dark films and see how people like it and then people love those more so until Marvel's in a place where they have to do something new, they're not going to. That's true. I just feel like, especially because they have all of these new properties. So you have, like, the Fantastic Four now, which was introduced in, like, kind of introduced in Doctor Strange. Obviously, it can be a very different character because you can look however in whichever multiverse. But you have is the... Is he supposed to play him from now on, or is that was just a one-off? I think I was just... I don't, they haven't said, but I feel like it was just a cameo for... I at least for now. For yeah. Um, but... If you have, like, the Fantastic Four, you have the X-Men now, why not utilize those characters to kind of have, like, a different direction? You know? So, like, allow um, the X-Men to maybe be, like, your more mature movies. 
allow Fantastic Four to be a little bit different. Just like you have these new avenues where they don't all have to be the exact same quippy, fun, joke, joke, joke kind of thing. Like they can be a little bit different. So allow for that. That's what I'm hoping. I don't. It probably won't happen because again, they make hundreds of millions of dollars for like almost every movie they release. So why change? What they, works they for them? A million or hundreds of million every film, and that doesn't yeah. include merchandising. It's like why change? Yeah. Um, okay, so with that, we can get into our final movie on this list, which is very different than Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and very different from Spider Man to the Spider Verse too. In that it's not a comic. Movie. Yeah, it's not a comic book movie. It's a much smaller movie. Um, and the I synopsis said, book, I can see it as a comic book, yeah. Interdimensional rupture unravels reality. An unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. This movie was directed by the Daniels. And for the film scores, it has an 82% on Metacritic and a 7.4 user score. And a 96% critical score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 91% audience score. Um, so, Jabari, do you want to get into your thoughts on this film first? Oh, yeah. I think this movie was superb. Like, it's one of those movies that you come out and you think about, okay, where does this fall in my, like, favorite films of, mm-hmm. like, ever? And that's kind of how I thought. I was like, does this fall into, like, my top 10, top 20, top 15? And I'm going to see it again and give it more time before I make, like, brash judgments like that. But it was a movie that I felt genuinely like a new film when I saw it. It felt very original. Um, it felt very polished. And it felt like it did a lot with... Because you could tell it was made during COVID. Like, they utilized few spaces to tell this galactic story. But despite that, it still felt bigger than a movie like Doctor Strange, which had hundreds of millions of dollar budget. And I think that was all because of the amazing writing and the artistry behind the film. So... This movie utilized, in a similar way to um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it utilized different art styles to show the the different way dimensions looked. And that mm-hmm. was probably my favorite part, was like seeing the different dimensions and how they utilized what art style to, to show that. Now, I didn't go as far as Into the Spider-Verse, I would say, as like having different dimensions intersect where like one character from another dimension came into their dimension and was like, you could see how, like, they didn't have, like, hot dog finger lady coming to the regular dimension. It's like, okay, this is just jarring to see in the way that they had Spider-Man Noir in Peter's universe. I mean, in Miles' universe. But what they did do was bring the primary characters into other universes so you could see what how different those universes and the setting was. So, yeah. like, while in Spider-Man and Into the Spider-Verse, they showed how different the, the universes were by bringing the characters into a more normal universe... In this movie, they brought normal characters into to crazy universes as a way to show us how wacky and wild those universes were. And I really loved how they did that. Mm. I agree with all of that. I also like the way that they explored the multiverse was through like a mind link as opposed to, again, like physically hopping from place to place. It was kind of like your mind travels, your mind yeah. connects with this other place. Um, which made for an interesting way to kind of show that split of your mind or to show like the way they use a, the way they use a crack screen throughout the movie, the way they use mirrors throughout the movie, um, all the symbols, the circles with like the bagel and again, mirrors were circular and all these things were circular. 
I enjoyed that as well, like the googly eyes. Um, yeah, that was interesting. I think those aspects were really good. I agree with you in terms of, I've seen it twice already, and I can easily see myself going to see it again and enjoying it just as much as I did the first two times. Like, I've been, I've been like logging my films on Letterboxd. And when I logged this one, I gave it a 4.5 out of five. And every time I go to Letterboxd, I want to go back and give it like a five out of five. And I'm scared, like how you're saying, like, is that is that being like making too big of a jump too soon? Like, do I have to give it time to marinate before I say like yeah. five out of five? The only um, demerit I can say about this film is the pacing is really slow, but I think it utilizes the time that it has well. So mm-hmm. it goes from um because it's kind of told in chapters as well. They have everywhere then everything and then all at once is like different chapters. They have everything and then everywhere and then all at once. <laughs> yeah, what I say? I said the other way around. You said everywhere and everything. Same thing, but yeah, they kind of show um the the chapters, and I think the first chapter is a little bit slow, but when it picks up, the movie really picks up, and I think that yeah. you have to establish normalcy before you go into the wacky, which they do well. But that's probably the only demerit of the film I can say. I don't know if you want to talk about spoilers in this movie. I personally would try to avoid spoiling it because it's one of those movies that I think people should experience. Like I think it's an experience film, and it's I not like a roller coaster like. Like um, it's not a roller coaster like Doctor Strange, but because the artistic, the artistic like merit of this film is so good to me that I would recommend people seeing it without spoilers because it's just really unique, and I think it's an experience that everyone should try to have at least once. Like I, I loved it, I loved it as well, and I do want to get into spoilers because I want to have a deeper discussion about some of the things. I do think we should try and kind of go into a bit more about it without spoilers first um, and what worked and everything. And then we can get into spoilers just so somebody, people can have some stuff to listen to. And then we can skip um, to the part where there's spoilers and they can just skip over that and then go see the movie and come back kind of thing. Um, but I would definitely recommend like if you're listening to this and you're getting ready to get to the spoiler part, please just like turn it off. Go see the movie and then come back and listen because I do think seeing it without spoilers kind of makes the experience that much better. Like, when I... This was on... I don't know if, like, you remember on our um, episode at the beginning of the year, but this was on, like, my list of top 10 movies I wanted to see. Yeah, I think it was um, the ones, too. But even going into it, I didn't expect it to be, like, as emotionally resonant, as creative, as funny, as, like... All of the things that it ended up being in one movie, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, okay, it's going to be a good movie. It'll be interesting to see like how A24 de- deals with the multiverse, especially because I knew that the multiverse of madness was coming out um, at, around the same time. So I was kind of like, it'll be interesting to see how like, a smaller movie de- deals with it. But the way they dealt with it and just like all of the things it was able to encapsulate in one movie, how it was able to be like big in terms, big in terms of like all of the universes that they were able to think of, but also small in terms of like this particular family and this particular version of this woman and why they chose this particular version of this woman and her life. Yeah, I don't want to say it yet. Yeah, don't say it yet. Yeah. Um, That's what made the movie so great. And like Michelle Yeoh, I feel like she's good in everything, but she was so good in this. This is an easy nominated role, I think. Yeah. Michelle, yeah, I, I can't, like this right now is my favorite movie of the year, 
and really? I don't know if it'll be top by the end of the year. You know, it's still pretty, it's early. It's almost halfway through the year. I haven't seen anything that came close to this. And I've seen like a, a good handful of movies this year. Um, so I don't know if it'll be topped, but it was just so good. Like her performance was, yeah, just so good. I also feel like the husband was really good. Yeah, I really like um, too. Yeah. And yeah, the daughter part, too. In a movie where, oh, I think you're not in that part yet. All right. I don't want to yeah. spoil anything. Let's go. You don't want to get into spoilers? Cause I feel like you could talk a little bit more about like what happened in the movie. Let's do a spoiler cast because I really don't want to like spoil it in the episode because I really think people should see it. Because like I'm one of those people like when people say oh avoid spoilers I still listen to the spoilers. I just I wanted to get into everything about like the donut and what it meant. So let's how about we do a spoiler cast so we could have that as a mini episode like a mini 15, 30 minute episode and that could just be a whole nother episode. Okay, we could we could do that. And we could like record it. We could actually record it to not tomorrow. Let's do Thursday, and we could literally knock out in like fifteen twenty minutes. So one of those weeks where we don't have an episode, we could just release that. Okay, I want to release it like soon, but there's there's a few movies coming up. Um, but I'm okay. still gonna see but that, Northman still. So same. I feel like this. Yeah, I feel like this movie is like it's tomorrow. it's one where it's good to like not talk about the spoilers, but you can get into yeah. a lot when you talk about the spoilers as yeah, well. Um, so that's why I wanted to get into some of that, like, more spoiler stuff, like what the daughter met with the bagel, if it's nihilism, if it's depression, all that stuff. Yeah. All right, so we're going to table the spoiler talk actually for another ep- separate mini episode. We'll just get into all of our, you know, emotions around the movie, what we think everything meant, um, how it impacted, like, us, I guess, um... Yeah, I feel like this is one of those, like, you can almost cry in it kind of movies. Like, I didn't cry, but I could... I came close. Yeah, I was say I, I, I was there. I was right there. Um, the humor, like, everything. There's, like, a lot. We could, there, it's it's worth a whole other episode just dedicated to talking more in depth about this movie. So, if you can, go see it while it's out in theaters. I definitely feel like it's one of those movies that's worth going to see in theaters. Um, if you can, if not, then I'm sure it'll be like playing, um, on some streaming service sometime soon, but I would definitely say go see it in theaters if you can. Um, so any final thoughts on this movie or just like multiversal movies in general, Jabari? Uh, go see everything everywhere all at once. Make sure you watch it, pay for it. Make sure these independent films get, well, I don't know if A24 is still considered independent, but make sure films that are unique get the love that they deserve because... You know, the industry is very monetized and always about, oh, what makes the most money and stuff like that. So let's make sure that movies that try new things get the reward that they deserve. Um, as far as multiversal films go, um, I like I like concepts, right? Like, I like big concepts with personal stories. And sometimes the most minor story, it could be about, like, a guy going to pick up a donut from the store. You could do that over, like, a Star Wars-themed thing. And it's always about like, oh, it's not about the journey. It's about the, um, I mean, it's not about the reward. It's about the journey. Mm-hmm. Like, I like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like those stories where it's like very personal stories that anyone can relate to. Like, you know, maybe it'd be like family squabbles or, um, or, um, learning your place in life and stuff like that. But behind the, the huge, what seemingly seems like major plot devices. Like, Star Wars is a big story, right? 
mm-hmm. but then a movie like Everywhere might be like a smaller themed story with a bigger themed plot device. Mm-hmm. And I really love when movies do that personally. Yeah. So a movie like um, what's that movie called again? Um, the one where the woman went behind the wall that had all the aliens and stuff like that. Arrival. Arrival. A movie like Arrival. No, that Arrival is the other one. That's the one where she learned like the alien language and was able to rewind time. That's a different movie. Oh, what movie are you thinking of then? Um, it had that bear. The bear. The bear is the most famous part of the movie. Oh, Annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah, that's like a a bigger theme movie to me because like, what was the personal story in that? I don't remember. I just remember the bear. She had um. <laughs> she was trying to help her husband. See, you talking about small personal story? You didn't even know the small personal story. Um, but yeah, she was trying to help her husband. Movie. See, I feel like. But, Arrival is kind of more similar to that, where it's kind of like this huge concept of aliens coming down, an alien invasion, but really it's just about this woman learning this language and trying to, like, as spoiler for Arrival, it's been like three, four years. It's over like, already. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's too late um, It's really about her learning this language and then deciding if she wants to have this family or not, or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, even. Yeah, that's another good one. But yeah, I like big stories with personal moments between characters so i think those are the yeah. ones i enjoy the most and multiversal films i don't want to say it's new there's been multiversal stories forever but i like i still want to see where they go and how people utilize them going forward yeah i think i um i agree with that concept um i like the big blockbuster movies but i really i really love like a character driven film and i think if you can find a way to do that while you're introducing some sort of interesting concept, such as a multiverse, like in everything, everywhere, all at once. That's kind of like the best of both worlds in a way. Um, Cause sometimes we just kind of have a movie where like a family's just sitting around the table talking. It's like, oh, okay, spice it up a little bit. But when you're yeah. like, okay, this family's talking, but she's like hey, linked to best? another person from, you know, where this guy's going to get a donut, but he tripped into, I don't know, space or something stripped into a well that led to like an alternate you i don't know something like that it's like okay cool it's like you're still getting from point a to point b but you're adding like these interesting things that allow the characters i think that's what it is these things allow for the characters to learn about themselves in a way that's kind of like driving the plot along but it's also interesting you know what i mean it's not just like an argument that happened that if you just kind of talked it would make sense you know like you get rid of that if it was just kind of like a point a to point b kind of story i agree i i again i enjoyed multiversal movies i think jabari though if you enjoy that there's um a tv show on amazon prime you should watch called undone which has pretty interesting things with animation as well it's made by the um creators of bojack horseman um i love me some bojack it's very different animation style just like fyi but they do like something called like roto animation or something like that. Rotoscoping, yeah. Um, animation. Draw over the people moving in. Uh huh. It's a little jarring at first, but it's pretty That's cool. Basic for Disney films. Okay, it, it's a little bit more like CGI looking now, I guess, than they did CGI in Disney films. Something. I got to see what that looked like. Maybe not CGI. I'll send a picture. I'm put in the chat. Okay. Um. But yeah, so I think like it's it's. An interesting way to kind of explore, you know, people's minds and mental health and all of those things. Um, and I hope that they we can have like more of that moving forward, where we ha- take like these huge concepts and kind of bring it down to earth a little bit. I agree. Um, 
But yeah, with that, that's the end of this week's episode of That Brooklyn Film Show. Again, we'll be coming out with a special episode for spoiler talk for everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, So go see the movie first and then listen to that. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can. And speak to you next time. Bye-bye. Catch you later.